0: A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey there! You're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. My name is Kevin Garcia. Welcome to episode 61. We're like episode 60 fun, and as per usual, I'm having a blast talking to the people who come on the show. Like, why they come on here? Sometimes I wonder because I feel like I'm re- the most ridiculous human ever. Um, but you know, uh, blessed by the grace of God, I suppose. Um, today I'm talking with my friend uh, Garrett Schlichte. He is a freelance writer, a queer Christian living up in D.C. Um, and, you know, he doesn't work in a whole lot of like queer Christian circles explicitly, but he writes for dope things like uh, Them, uh, a queer publication. He's also written for The Advocate, The Washington Post. He's on HuffPost. I mean, also, who hasn't been on HuffPost? I haven't been on HuffPost. How do we do this? Someone let me know. I would like to be published in other places. Um, actually, Garrett, if you're listening to this, can you tell me who I can pitch to? Because I've got some really good ideas for articles that could be written. Just a thought. Anyways, um, before I get into all this other crap, uh, announcements as per usual, I am going to be at Wild Goose Festival in the middle of July. I hope to see you there. Um, you can get your tickets at wildgoosefestival.org, and when you do, use the code GooseCast18 and you'll get, like, 25% off of your tickets, which is pretty freaking dope. Um, I'm going to be doing a workshop with Dr. Robin Henderson Espinosa and Matthias Roberts. I'm doing a panel with Emily Joy and Morgan Guyton. I am doing uh, my own talk. That's one thing I'm doing. And then I'm also recording a live episode of Failed Missionary with Corey Pig and Jamie, the Very Worst Missionary. Um, Other things to note, I am actually going to be featured on the the Failed Missionary podcast beginning this month. Uh, My friend Corey has been working diligently on editing it. We've recorded some really good conversations. And a big, big, big thank you to everyone who submitted their stories to be a part of this series on LGBTQ identity in the mission world. I'm thrilled, I'm excited, it's going to be amazing, and I can't wait to share that project with you. Go ahead and over to your podcast app, open it up, download film Missionary, subscribe, leave it a rating, and while you're there, you can also leave me a rating, so that way uh, we can get in front of more people. So, rate it five stars, let people know, and then, yeah, you'll be much happier when you did that. Listen, I promise you, you're going to feel so good when you do this. <laughs> okay, so, today's conversation with my friend Garrett Schlichty. And uh, a little bit about him. Uh, Garrett was born and raised in Hollywood, Florida, before running as far away as possible and still get in-state tuition for college. At Florida State University, he got his bachelor's in editing, writing, and media with a minor in business because obviously he had no concept of what a minor was actually for. (laughs) And then he decided uh, to test the limits of his seasonal affective disorder and moved all the way up to Connecticut, where he received his master's degree in higher education and student affairs. Shortly after his uh, second winter up north, he came to his senses, moved down to D.C., where he works full-time in higher education. And on top of that, he's also a freelance writer, like I said before, and writes every opportunity he gets. His work has appeared in The Advocate, Washington Post, Teen Vogue, and various other corners of the internet. So in today's talk, me and Garrett and I actually talk a lot about um, some really interesting and lovely things, including uh, recognizing white privilege as as uh, as a gay white man. Um, how we both came to realize like what intersectionality was. Um, how many of us, you know, how many cis white gay dudes just don't get or pay attention to intersectionality or the the platform that they have or the privilege that they have. We also talk about Drag Race. We talk about uh, waking the fuck up. And also we talk about, you know, silly and frivolous things like always. Little lulzies here and there. So I think you're going to enjoy it. And also, if you're a white gay dude out there, this one is a must-listen for you. Don't skip it. Don't go away. You need this, honey. But yeah, so Garrett has been all over the internet in some pretty prestigious... um, publications and now he's today he's making a crowning jewel achievement by talking with a c-list queer christian celebrity on his podcast oh my gosh i uh yeah you're you're welcome for coming on the show garrett i'm just i'm such a blessing to your career okay here's my conversation with garrett schlichte As you, um, if you didn't already know, if you want something off the record, like we're in the middle of a conversation, you want to say, I don't want that on the, the podcast, you can tell me, I'll edit it out later. Okay, perfect. So, safety, all the First. things. This is a safe space, you know what I'm saying? Thank you so much. You're welcome. Hi, Garrett. How are you? How's life? I'm wonderful. How are you, Kevin? I'm so good. It has been a minute since we've caught up, chatted, It's talk. been like
1: a year and a half, if not more. But we... like. In real life. Like, we've talked digitally.
0: Yeah. Actually, here's the truth. I don't actually know if you and I have actually hung out in real life before.
1: I don't think we've ever met. We are, like, a perfect millennial online-only relationship.
0: Yeah. Let's keep it that way. Let's never
1: meet. Let's never meet. Like, let's make that the plan.
0: Yeah. Although, I remember, like, early on in our digital friendship, my ex-boyfriend ended up in your Snapchat stories, and I was like... It was, I was so friends. Funny. It was I, funny. I was
1: friends with all of your ex-boyfriend's friends, which is how
0: we became friends, kind of. That is true. So the title of this episode is, like, my ex-boyfriend's friends is now my friend.
1: Because you also know my ex-boyfriend Ugh. and my ex-boyfriend's ex-boyfriend.
0: Oh my god. Ugh. The, the, dra- the drama conflama. that we The drama with. and conflama of all of it. But we've survived and thrived. Here we are. Yeah. So something I wanted to like pick your brain about, particularly like about being a queer, a queer human, uh, a queer Christian human, a uh, queer Christian human who uh, also writes like cultural, like culture pieces for mm, everybody know. from like freaking Washington Post. Did you write a piece? Didn't one of your pieces end up in Time? It did not. It's just the
1: Washington Post, but the New York Times is one day, so let's speak that into existence.
0: Yes, we, cl- we name it and claim it, Lord Jesus, in our time. Mm. Amen. Um, what is What has it been like going from just kind of like HuffPo pieces to like writing like really important stuff? I remember like, I think one of like the ones that really blew up recently was, oh, not recently, I guess it was a few, maybe six months ago, but it was your piece on Drag Race Racism. And, like, how we talk about race and RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. Um, so, like, first, like, what, well, for people who didn't read it, because they're awful, what was, what, was the pre- what was the premise of the piece? Um, so the premise of the piece is that,
1: as a fandom, the people who watch Drag Race uh, tend to lack a basic understanding of some of the history behind drag. And how the way that we, like, view and dictate the behavior of queens is in a lot of ways rooted in systemic racism. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And that we offer a lot of allowances to white queens that we don't offer to queens of color, and specifically black queens, in the way that, like, we dictate their narrative and kind of a lot of, like, the tone policing conversation that's happened, like, this season with the Vixen. Oh, Um, so much. Uh, yeah, and just like a lot of those pieces, and so it was more so like speaking back to the drag race fandom about what we are and aren't willing to make allowances for. A lot of it was like started by Milk in the All Star season. Like that's like what
0: oh my god, predicated I was this so piece. annoyed. And like it was one of those Tyra Banks, we were all rooting for you moments, right? Like I love Milk. I obviously don't know them personally,
1: but they do like such incredible work with so many great organizations. They do a lot of stuff with like Voices 4, which is supporting um, like queers in Chechnya um, and just like a lot of like really powerful work. Um, but I think it was like also a great example of the fact that like even the best of intentioned people are not free of, like, internalized racism. And, like, we don't often have a choice in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you can still be, like, a really good, well-intentioned person and have, like, some racist behaviors that, like, you should still be examining even if you think you're, like, a good person otherwise because it's just, like, always good to check in with yourself.
0: Yeah. So as someone, do you identify as a white person?
1: I do identify as a white
0: person. Um, as... I don't know, like, like at what point in your journey, like, you actually started to have an awareness of, like, uh, a, ra- like a racial justice lens or mm-hmm. just a critical race analysis of, you know, just your life. When did that come about for you? Um,
1: well, I just wrote about that for a yet-to-be-published piece that may be coming out soon. Yeah. Um, but honestly, in college... Um, I always have said that, like, I feel like I went into college as a kind of blank slate because I was closeted all throughout high school and I went to high school, like, kindergarten through senior year of high school, honestly, with like 60 of the same people. I went to a small private Catholic school, um, and then to like a smaller private Catholic high school, um, little to no non white folks there, um, two out gay people who were like horribly made fun of at your Catholic uh, high school at my Catholic high school and so I was like I'm not gonna be one of them like I want to like survive this and so I was not out I was just as gay as I appear to be now like Um, grass is
0: green sky is blue Garrett's gay like he's got it wait Um, you're gay
1: don't tell anyone yeah that's off the record off the record please. Um, no, but so uh, in an effort to keep myself closeted, I was also like very conservative mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways I was like let's like give Sarah Palin a chance you know what I mean like it was like the height of like we're like making like like Barack Obama hat like this is his moment and I was like no because I was like deathly afraid of being outed and I felt like Mm. progressivism was like synonymous with me outing myself.
0: Yeah. So this was senior year of high school for you? Of high school. Yeah. Yeah. This was my freshman year of college. Yeah.
1: And so I didn't believe
0: anything about
1: conservatism Mm -hmm. because I like knew my own truth and I knew what was wrong with all of those things. But because I wasn't willing to explore like a progressive identity. I really felt like I had no actual beliefs about a lot of things. Like I was just kind of in a neutral place because I was like spouting out like conservatism Mm -hmm. while not believing it and like not willing to explore liberalism, which I felt like I probably more so identified with. So all of that is to say, when I went to college, I made a racist joke one night and like a group of new friends, like that I just like thought was funny because of my upbringing or, like, not my upbringing, but, like, my, like, surrounding in Mm -hmm. high school, and this queer person who was, like, in this room with us, just, like, this white queer person was, like, hey, like, that is, like, pretty racist, and, like, you should, like, think about that, because, like, that's not cool, and I was just, like, immediately very receptive to that because I feel like I had just never been in an environment where anyone had ever said like hey this is like how you should think about things if you care about like being good to the world Mm -hmm. Um, and that is where I would say like I can identify the moment where I was like okay like it's time to explore some new ways of thinking that like I think I've always wanted to in the back of my mind but have never felt comfortable to do openly Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that like my an effort to understand race is also and and class and gender and all of that is tied into, like, my own exploration of my own sexuality. So I think, like, all of those things had been at an upward momentum, like, from that moment.
0: Yeah. I think what's interesting is the thing you just said about, because you were given the space to explore sexuality, you also were able to interrogate all these other things around race, gender, class, etc. Um, and I think that's true of so many queer folks, is that, especially queer white folks, where, and this is something I noticed, especially even in um, queer, queer Christian circles, is that many of, many of us, especially those who are either white or white passing, figure out that, um, like start figuring these things out as a result of interacting with um, Q, QPOCs. Hmm. Um, and realizing how everything intersects, it was almost like if I didn't have my queerness to interrogate, I don't think I would have interrogated anything else. You know, a
1: hundred percent. And I think that is why, like, I one of the first things I ever wrote for like this little like dark corner of the internet called Culture Stopped um, was called "Being Gay is My Favorite Thing About Myself." Because I feel like I really grew up in a space and an environment that was very privileged and I don't know because I have so many other examples of like white men who I was around who like never really had to explore a lot of other things that they like still lack an understanding of struggles of other people and I really feel like I could have very easily fallen prey to like if I never had to interrogate something about myself, I would have never explored some of those other pieces. And also, I owe, like, such a huge, huge amount of, like, everything that I am to, like, this weird, small circle of friends that, like, adopted me when I first went into college Mm -hmm. Um, that just, like, there was never a time where, I was able to like start exploring my queerness without the understanding that like all of our oppression is like interconnected and that like my queerness could in any way ever be removed from like a lens of intersectionality Mm -hmm. because like those were just the people that I was around and that was like completely on accident. But like it was so great for me. I think just like as a person who like wants to, exist in like the best most effective way possible in the world like it just was like racism is classism is homophobia is transphobia is ableism is all of these different pieces and like I didn't do any of that initially like there just like were people around me who were like listen this is what the fuck is up and like here is where we're going with this like get on board Mm -hmm. please and thank you and I was like you're right. Like, let's do it. Like, I'm ready. Like I think for like the first time in my life, I just like shut up and listened to a lot of people and a lot of different queer folks and a lot of people who I would have never interacted with otherwise, mm-hmm. because I was like, I want this community. I want to be part of it. And I like want to understand.
0: Yeah. I think it also varies uh community by community too, because I look at um like Atlanta culture, for example, at least, I don't want to say by and large, but I'd say a good majority of the queer community in Atlanta is pretty intersectional, is at work in activism. However, there's like a large contingency, like I think about going like Midtown, Ten Blake's, it's all white, uh, traditionally attractive uh, gay cis men. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you walk into that space and if you don't have a six-pack, you're, like, body shamed. Um, like, not even joking. Like, I get, like, low-key anxiety walking in there because I can feel the eyes on me. I don't know if that's real or perceived. But it's just, like, I think maybe if you build a space out for a certain kind of person and it's only filled with a certain kind of person, you feel yeah. the otherness for whatever it is. Um, but I think the other place I see a lot of this... Um, lack of critical lens is actually in like queer christian circles especially around like white queer christians um it's spe- and then even further down white cis gay males where it's like they're cool like they get through like their theology and it's like, it's like oh my gosh jesus loves me even though i'm gay um and that's where it stops it's yeah. like i can be gay now this is cool and then like Racism isn't real. I didn't have slaves, so...
1: You know what I mean? So, like, everything is fine, and, like, there are no problems. Yeah,
0: Martin Luther King, um, Anita Baker, Aretha Franklin. They handled it, and, like, we're done now. Yeah. Thanks, Rosa Parks.
1: Yeah. I think that is, like, such a large part. I mean, there have been... DC, which is where I currently live, is... Like, one of the gayest cities in America. Like, just statistically, I think we're, like, usually top three. Like, we battle it out with, like, New York and San Francisco on a pretty regular basis. (laughs) Which is great. Just, like, constant voguing competitions to see who comes out on top. Yeah, that's
0: how it works. That's what determines
1: it. That's what we do. I'm really into voguing right now. Um, (laughs) But it also is, like vastly white, vastly cisgender men. And I think there are, like, some really beautiful parts of our community here. And, like, there are people who are, like, down to, like, get weird and, like, are interested in, like, social justice and policy change and advocating for a lot of people. But then there are also, like, a lot of, like, gay men here who are just, like, we can be out and gay here for the most part. Like I would say on a regular everyday basis because of like the neighborhood I live in and like the spaces that I go to, I see visibly like gay people every day. Mm -hmm. I see people like being affectionate in public. I see people holding hands. I see people like kissing on the sidewalk. You know what I mean? Like people with family, you know what I mean? Like I'm personally as a single person disgusted by it, but like a gay person, very gratified by it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, like, all of that being said, those people are largely, like, white, like, are very traditionally attractive, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. then there have also been, like, instances where, like, there are still queer people who've, like, been harassed on the streets here. There was someone who was, like, the victim of a hate crime not too long ago, which, like, made, like, small circles of news. Mm -hmm. and then it's like okay great like there is it is safe for like this one group of people
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um and then it's not great for like the rest of the community and like all of all kinds of queer people exist Mm -hmm. everywhere obviously but like are present in our community in dc and so it just always makes me think like We, like, love to think, like, we live in this great blue bubble. We've done everything that we need to do. Like, we can be out here. We can be gay here. Like, we have pride. We can make out on the street. All of those things. But then when it gets watered down to it, it's like, but it's really only this one section Mm -hmm. of our community. We had something called Brunchgate not too long ago, which was, like, great. It, like, made, like, pseudo-international not news, but like there were people in other countries who were like, "This is hysterical."
0: Brunch, um,
1: where I forget what someone made. It was like during Pride
0: mm-hmm.
1: or right before Pride. This group of friends took a picture at brunch. It was like fifty people. It was mm-hmm. it was like a large, large group of people at a brunch, and they were all like, and for the most part, ninety eight percent like white very traditionally attractive gay men and someone made a meme and I forget the exact wording of the meme, but was basically like, these are like the only kind of like gay people that exist in dc and like it was like this huge deal because like we all knew people who were in this photo you know what (laughs) i mean and like we were all like i I know that i shouldn't laugh about that but but it's like if you google it i like want to try and see if i can find it and then like see figure out what the exact wording was but it was like a huge deal because it like brought out this like very true Like, underbelly of, like, yeah, it is, like, very possible, if you wanted to, to exist only in white gayness and think, like, you've done something. Like, we all donate $7 to the HRC once a year, and, like, we go to Pride. And so, like, we're doing the duty of, like, supporting our community.
0: Yeah, we're doing the thing. We're doing the really hard work of just, you know, having fun and, you know, going to a a party Specifically, like, an underwear party in public. Which also, I'm just like, how do people get... And, like, maybe this is something I need to grow into. It's just my own confidence around my body and just go to that anyways. Even with, like, the not, you know... I have a beach body. It's just, like, the beach just gets the body that I had at Christmas.
1: Right. That is... We are on the same page. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, like, love all of it. But I wrote this thing called a few, I guess like maybe a month ago, that was an open letter from a white gay TM Mm -hmm. um, for like this humor website called points in case that like kind of made fun of all of it. But it just was like, it is very easy to like get attention being like a traditionally attractive white gay person. Um, And it's very easy once you have that attention to then think like, well, you're gay and people really support you. So like all gay people have got that.
0: Yeah. Just, yeah. Everyone, you know, we had Harvey milk, so it's done. Stonewall RuPaul. We're done. Yeah. That's real. And I think that's where I've talked about it with a few people, like whiteness and maleness can like still get you everywhere. And also whiteness, maleness. And especially if you have any form of affluence, it kind of shields you from having to deal with anything else. Like I like, I think the most interesting person is like the white cis gay male Christian who is still a Republican somehow, or is like Um, so mm -hmm. moderate that they aren't really doing much of anything. Anything. Yeah. It's like, you know, I don't want to lose like this, you know, I have this community over here that loves me, but quote unquote disagrees with my lifestyle choices. Um, But I don't want to like, I don't want to lose that my connection to this tribe because I think it's also just like this connection to a power in some ways mm-hmm. that like, if you can still be a part of this specific club, you know, you can, you can, people always say like, you know, I'd like the phrase I've heard from somebody that really pissed me off was I'm too liberal for conservatives and I'm too conservative for liberals. I said, that means you're lukewarm and Jesus is going to spit you out of his mouth. <laughs> like that is not how this works. No. Like, it's, it's, it's like, that's, like, the thing that bothers me and why people just, like, want to interrogate it. Like, even at, like, QCF or Q Christian Fellowship this past year, in the past few years, as, like, QCF has become more intersectional and more vocally intersectional, I remember one person I was reading through some surveys, um, and they said, I liked everything, but they talked so much about trans issues and race issues. Can't we just talk about, like, God loving the gay people?
1: No. <sighs> We can't. We've done that. I'm like the Pope is on board, right? Isn't that what happened yesterday? Or
0: something. I think this is gonna be uh, Popegate, Pope Gate, maybe. I wish
1: anyone still listened to the Pope. I like don't know how to like as like a Catholic TM
0: ah uh, catholic i didn't know that you were catholic i actually thought i mean
1: i'm not i was raised catholic i just like say that because like most oh you of were confirmed right? catholic yeah i was confirmed therefore
0: you've got that blessing you're part of the i've got
1: it i'm garrett paul thomas schlichty thomas is my confirmation name because my dad is a lawyer and saint thomas was the patron saint of lawyers so i picked that <laughs> that made sense to me because they make you do it in eighth grade and i'm like I wanted to be Saint Hermione and I
0: couldn't, so I was Saint Thomas. I would have been Saint Hildegard because she was a mystic. <laughs> also, Hild- like ca- like think about Kevin Hildegard, Miguel Garcia, just all the way through. Yeah, or the Virgin of Guadalupe. Can I pick her as a patron saint? Is that a thing? Sure, why not? I don't know any. I don't know much about Catholicism. My friends are I trying don't to make think me. Be- My friend. <laughs> My friends are trying to make me become a Lutheran. I
1: won the religion award in eighth grade
0: did you really what's a religion award you're the best catholic
1: i'm basically the best catholic at the end of like the school year there's like an english award a math award and like religion was a subject we had to take Mm -hmm. in school and so i got the religious the religion award for like being the most prestigious religion student we had at nativity catholic school
0: um, and I was the...
1: and I was pissed about it because I wanted the English award.
0: <laughs> I was so mad. Oh. When I was in the 6th grade, I won. So we were like divided up into teams in middle school. Did you all have that? No. Oh. We were divided into houses in high school like Hogwarts. Oh. Probably like like same same-ish, but they're all horse themed. So, we were the Clydesdale and I won Clydesdale of the year for having apparently the highest GPA out of anyone in 6th grade. Oh, my God. You know how long that lasted? A minute. The sixth grade? Yeah. Just the sixth grade? Yeah, because after that, like, it was all downhill. Even in college, it was just like, I need to take less courses because I can't handle having music courses and regular courses at the same time.
1: Oh, I didn't want to do anything. After I got involved in college, I was like, I'm done academically, thank you.
0: Oh, same. Like, Because like, you were super-duper involved and did all the things,
1: correct? I was an orientational leader. I was an RA. I was in student government. I was part of Pride Student Union. Whole shebang.
0: I wanted to be part of like our pride group on campus, but I was still uh, semi-closet. It was a very interesting thing where it's just like, I'm going to like sort of flirt with boys, but I'm not going to talk about it so much. But I'm also not gonna come to the, the the GSA like council meeting.
1: Oh, I was like again because of like the group of people who I become friends with, which were like a lot of like really like rad, queer, like feminists, um, and like people who like in college identified as like queer and gender queer, which was like all just like so mind blowing to me because I was just getting comfortable with calling myself gay had, like, such large issues with our Pride Student Union because this Pride Student Union was, like, mainly run by white gay men and, like, served, like, white gay men. Mm. So they were like, we are going to infiltrate and we're going to take it over. And then they did. It was great.
0: That sounds thrilling. (laughs) I've never had, like, a coup happen on campus. We tried to do that in my fraternity one year where we wanted to call a special election in the middle of it. But...
1: I'm all for a college campus coup. I'm like ready.
0: I mean, it happened like at one point, like there was something like the for the counts like the IFC like violated its own constitution, and so the vote was to dissolve the IFC and completely restructure it. It was like madness for a few weeks. Where did
1: you go to college again?
0: Christopher Newport University. Go, oh, captains. That's right. CNU. Yeah, fight for seeing, seeing you. Fight for seeing you. And the thing oh. is, like, when you go to a school of 5,000 people and you just have a strong personality, you can run everything. Yeah. Um it
1: was, like, slightly more difficult with 40,000, but, like, I did my best.
0: Listen, you were you were Catty Heron at, at, the, at the Spring Fling, and you broke that crown off and said, a piece for Gretchen Wieners. Everybody. Yeah. I, um... So, like, let me... I have two other pivots I want to do, but it's something that you mentioned around, like you fell into this group of really fantastic radical queers. And the same thing happened for me when I came out and moved to Atlanta, I fell into this group of like radical intersectional queer folks who were doing the work, you know, being involved Mm -hmm. with teaching people how to be their own advocates and people who thought and taught about um, intersectionality. And it's because of this group that like, Mm -hmm. I went from just thinking about like, gay liberation in the church to being like, oh shit, this is so much bigger than than, than me having the right to marry somebody. Yeah. Um, which is like the thing that I was like, oh, we got marriage equality, we're done. Nah, bruh. We're fine. We're fine. Yeah, So now the state has a way to track our bodies again. Thanks a lot. All um, great. Sorry, I need to crack my back real quick. Oh. Oh, that felt amazing. <laughs> um, but for folks in places where they may not have that sort of posse crew. What Nancy's calling it is the gag, like their gaggle thing, which Mm -hmm. I also, I might be on. Oh my God. Me and Amelia did an interview for Nancy. And um, I don't know if they're actually going to use it, but I have hope because it was a beautiful story about being queer and Christian and like finding that holding two identities in one.
1: Yeah. I love that.
0: Um, But like it, Like, what are your suggestions to people who are, like, looking to diversify their group, to find their own gaggle, to find the people who are going to, like, start building them up? Especially if they don't live in, like, queer metropolises like Atlanta, D.C., New York, San Fran, L.A.
1: Um, I think, like, something that is really incredible is the amount of, like, queer, like, content that is available online and the way that, like, people are starting to engage with that. There are some great publications and like brands that have come about recently that are like I think doing an incredible job of highlighting so many different queer narratives across the board and like are working in community building spaces in that way and I think like you can now I never understood how to build like a queer community online like that was just like never something that I really had I like kind of knew that it existed but I think like so many things with that are possible. And I would, like, them. Mm-hmm. And um, them out, is the
0: publication.
1: Them is the publication. T-H-E-M period out of Condé Nast is, like, doing some incredible, incredible work, I think, like, into, which mm-hmm. is Grindr's digital
0: magazine, which, which is like, also, shout out to that. Yeah, and also, shout out to them, like, I didn't know that, like, this was, like, gonna turn into, like, a whole, like, outlet that's, like, because like grinder in itself like it is what you make of it but by and large the people who use grinder can be a some kind of way depending on where you are and the kind of person who you're engaging with but i love how like there's been such like a pivot not even a pivot or maybe just a natural evolution of their work of saying like hey we want to represent more than just you know the cis gay male right
1: and i'm like walk the children in nature into like take them out like it's great i'm like you get like push notifications in grinder where it's like, it looks like you've gotten a message, but you've actually gotten like this really insightful article sent to you in like through the grinder application where I'm yeah. like, all right, like go ahead with that. Like they are doing some great, yeah, great things. And I think, I mean, those are great places to start if you don't have community directly in front of you and present, there is so much online that can help you to feel like part of this larger movement um and not just feel a part of it but like I think there is real agency in like reading and engaging with this content and I think like in the like few moments that I've spent like in the comment section on a lot of these things like some like a lot of it is like positive and it is community mm. building and it yeah. is wanting to see that you know what I mean and I think like there are arguments to be made for and against social media in a lot of ways, but like so many of these places, like they've done lists about like queer artists to follow on social media. And like, it is so many different kinds of artists creating so many different kind of art. And like, yes, absolutely still find ways to engage in like a physical world, but like flood your social media with Mm -hmm. like great queer representation that like tells a ton of different kind of stories because like, it really helps you get connected just so many of these things you know Mm -hmm. and i think they're like i'm not a sociologist so i like will not give actual advice here you know what i mean (laughs) i think they're like you're not this is very
0: confusing i thought that was like part of your
1: i am just like a straight sociologist like that is my studying the environment
0: of queerness as a project
1: but i'm just like if you like obviously it's important to engage in like the physical world. Like don't get lost in a phone because like, I just can't imagine that that is like the most healthy, but also if that's what you've got to like feel connected to this community, like that is like a wonderful, incredible place to start. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I, I do. And I, that's where it started for me. And that's also like, like following queer Christians on Twitter was like the first step Mm in like kind of like, dipping my toe in the water and it was like before i even like like came out of the closet also twitter knew that i was gay before i came out and i was mortified i mean it knows all of our secrets it really does like facebook told somebody who told somebody who told instagram that they like should start showing me like like engagement rings for men and i'm like first of all triggered second of all triggered listen i don't some days i want to get married other days i'm just like ah that's exactly it who who can say? Um, I'm just, I'm here for um, people taking me on dates, buying me tacos.
1: And that's all I need right
0: now. That is serious. That's all I want. All the-, the other night I went, <laughs> this is a funny story. I went on a date the other night and really good time with this guy. You know, um, we shared a lot of good laughs. He had a very brilliant mustache, which I'm not normally into mustaches, but he pulled it off. There you go. Um, And I said, you know what? I'm going to flex a little bit. I'm going to pay for dinner. And so I hand my card off to the waitress. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Thanks so much. Blah, blah, blah. We're chitty chatting. 20 minutes goes by. And she comes back. And she's, like, looking on the ground with, like, the light from her phone. And I'm like, what is she? Did someone, like, drop an earring? And she comes back to the table and says, ah, I lost your card. And (coughs) I'm looking for it. But we may, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like. All right, and so like she like said like she looked everywhere for it. We sat there for like another ten minutes, and I'm like, "Hey, like you can just take this other card and pay for it. I'll just cancel." Like, it's like, "No," she's like, "No, we're gonna we're gonna comp your food tonight and your drinks," which I was thrilled because that was four cocktails, nine tacos, and like eight little different like shared appetizers. Yeah, and that's how you know that you serve a living god.
1: <laughs> like. You know what I mean? Yeah, small. Thing. Like my God is alive and real. He wants me to flirt with cute boys, to have delicious beverages, and then He's gonna say, "You know what? I've got it."
0: Yeah what what the what the devil has meant for a curse, <laughs> I am going to turn into blessing. That curse right. of losing my card
1: turned into a blessing of abundance. That is what I am saying. The devil is working hard, but our Lord and Savior is working harder, you guys.
0: Yeah, the gates of hell shall not overcome the work nope. of the Lord. It,
1: no weapon formed against me shall prosper is like what I know. Uh-huh.
0: Mm. Now, funny enough, this is like the perfect pivot to like talking about dating as queer and Christian, because um, mm-hmm. Jesus fucking wept. It's hard. Yeah, for for like multiple reasons. I want to give you give me some of your reasons, and then we can just hash it out. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, I think it's because there are. I mean, there are an infinite number of kinds of people in the world, Mm -hmm. but I have typically run into, like, a few of the same kinds of people.
0: Within dating in, like, queer Christian circles?
1: Just, like, within dating in queer circles in general and then encountering, Mm -hmm. like, Christian moments. Mm
0: -hmm. Encountering Christian moments.
1: I would say, like, on one hand, there are people who, like, don't feel strongly convicted about it either way. They're like, you are, you aren't. It doesn't like really affect my life. I like grew up going to church, but I'm like not super into my faith. So like, whatever, here we go. And then there are people who like, can't separate like the institution of religion from Mm -mm. like a faith or spirituality who are like i have no idea how you could do this and i'm like well it's really hard (laughs) like it took years of processing you know what i mean and like i'm still working through it because like institutionally like religion can be like really damaging and harmful to like a lot of communities not just queer folks um, but I, like, have this greater sense of something, and so I try really hard on a regular basis to figure out how I can align two of those things. Um, and then there are people who are, like, you're a lunatic for believing in, like, <laughs> a this, lunatic. like, fictitious, like, being somewhere up in the sky or otherwise, um... And I've got to go.
0: Yeah, they just don't want to hear it. They don't want to talk about it. Like, it's almost like you go on a date. It's just like, so like, you know, what are you doing on Sunday? And I'm like, going to church. Going to church. But like, it's, but like, it's, it, I, yeah, I've encountered that too. There's the, everyone from someone who's kind of ambivalent about it to really, really wonderful people who have like, you know, really uh, fantastic uh aspirations and like you line up with a lot of things that they line up with and you have chemistry but then the moment they feel they hear that you are a spiritual or religious individual it's like you you get almost like you get painted with a broad brush that gets painted on religion or especially christians and like you know like understandably so like good reason like sometimes with good reason but it's almost like i don't want to apologize for my faith or that I possess it. I do it, but it is that distinction between like the institution of the church and religion and the institution or just like, and then a, a deeply held spiritual practice that helps improve my life. And hopefully by proxy, the lives of others, please do not choke dog.
1: I'm like, you seem like you're having a moment. <laughs> I'm okay. There.
0: Yeah. Butters is fine now. She, um she's been a little sick recently. Oh, butters. Do you want to see her? She's like, Kind of weird looking, and I love her. Butters, do you say hi? Butters. Look at that. Oh, she is adorable. She's weird looking,
1: but she's adorable.
0: I know. I love it. Um, Sorry to interrupt.
1: Uh, (laughs) No dog content is important
0: content. Well, we were talking about dating while queer and Christian. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's something. um, There's something like recently I've been thinking about, just like a lot of people is and then you know because like my audience is mostly queer christians and like people who Mm -hmm. work in this kind of circle um and i recently was talking with someone and they asked me like would you ever be open to dating a non-christian And i'd be like yeah probably um i think there is this also like this idea around the need to be married in general that is so heteronormative Mm -hmm. that kind of like has like i've just been questioning a lot of it recently because like like what is like if i am with a partner and we are uh you know building a life together doing well i don't know it's like i'm trying to figure out how to how to say this it's almost just like even like there's this almost this obsession with like finding a human finding somebody to be with finding someone to complete you finding someone to build your life with immediately rather than working on yourself finding what you want to do finding how you can give back to the world and then just like if you happen to find somebody that happens to be in the same path as you and it becomes a partnership um and i feel like there's like such like this heteronormative script that like you're not worth anything until you're married and you have a kid and then you're like a part of your local congregation um but i think that a lot of like especially queer christians fall into where they're just like now they're okay with being gay, like, they are obsessed with finding a partner when, in reality, like, there's probably a couple things you should work on yourself first.
1: Does that make sense at all? No, that makes perfect sense. I think, like, what I have, like, recently been coming, not to terms with, but I think, like, more so understanding is that, like, and I think this is true for every generation of people, but whatever we are all doing this is the first time what we are doing has been possible ever in the sense that like the way that i freelance and the things that i write like a lot of times my parents don't understand that because like those kind of opportunities and these kind of publications and these audiences didn't exist when they were doing it so like mm-hmm. my parent like i had a great conversation with this editor at the post he was probably like 20 years older when I was like first starting freelancing. And I was like, what advice do you have? How can you help me like kind of navigate this? And he was like, honestly, I have no idea because this is the first time anything like this has existed. So like people who are doing this work are like paving the path for that. Mm -hmm. And that is also how I feel about life in general. I think like in this moment, in the sense that like, The way that our parents live their lives, like the way that my parents live their life makes no sense to their parents because Mm. the way that my parents live their life was not accessible before because a lot of those things didn't exist. Mm. So like the way that I live my life, like my parents look at me and think like, you, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense to us because the opportunities there that are available to me the things that have been created like they just didn't exist for them like Mm -hmm. there weren't those opportunities before there's like such a broad understanding of identity and relationship and like what it means to like just exist as a person now that didn't exist before so i have not in an effort to like escape coping with reality because like there are still things that are incredibly important to be figured out but i've become very comfortable with the idea that I'm like probably the reason why I don't know whether I want to get married or how I want to get married or what I want my life to look like, or like, do I want to like co-parent with like my best friend and like raise an awesome kid, like in that way, because like that's lovely and accessible to us now. It's never been possible before. And so like, yes, we have no idea because like that universe of things hasn't existed Mm like, for previous generations to, like, explore. Mm -hmm. So, like, I have become more comfortable with figuring it out out as I go because I feel like I have recently come to the realization that, like, everyone for the majority of the history of time has just been figuring it out as they have gone along. And so, like, I still want to be forward-thinking. I, like, still want to plan for that. But when I'm, like, yeah, maybe I, like, won't get married until i'm 50 and like i feel like anytime people say that like it's automatically projected on them it's like and oh like i'm really okay with being single you guys like i'm trying to convince myself by like telling you all this and i'm like no i just think the reality is like there's a lot that i want to do with my life and there are like places that i want to live and there are jobs that i want to have and there are careers that i want to explore And people can do that with a partner. Do you know, like that is 100% possible for people. Mm -hmm. I know people who are doing it. I'm like so excited for them to be doing it. It just like, isn't what I'm doing. And like, that's cool. Yeah. You know, like, I think that is just.
0: Just, it is what it is. Yeah. Was it Drake or Kendrick who said that it is what it is. I think it was Drake. I don't know. I'm going to pass on that question. <laughs> you mean you don't have a working history of like modern hip hop? How dare you? <laughs> no. You call only... yourself an intersectional person? Like you don't know. I
1: know. I'm like traditionally only female MCs.
0: Mm, mm, mm-hmm. I, I was actually talking with. I don't like with... boys. Yeah. Same. Me neither. Um, don't like boys. Only girls. I'm looking for my. I'm looking to the, to, for the Ruth to my mighty Boaz. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to. There we go. Role of provider, protector and priest of my family. There you go. Um, Same, same, same. Like, I do, I think I want to get married. But I don't, it's for the same reasons that, like, that you said. But I think more along the lines of just, like, parenting. I feel there's, like, a lot of people who, like, they just kind of want to settle into, like, the heteronormative dream of, like, partnered, Mm -hmm. married, uh, kids, house, and just do that. And, like, more power to those humans. I, like, I think that's great. I think about, like, kind of what you said was like, what if I just co-parented a child with one of my friends who's like really, really good. And like, we were like, know that we're going to be good parents. Like, like I'm thinking like like one of my girlfriends out here, like who's just like yeah. really wonderful forward thinking and just like, that would sound- Also that... like,
1: what if we don't have kids? You know what I mean? Period. Like I just think like they're, I, so my friend Zach, um, who I live with, Recently graduated from Divinity School.
0: Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Shout
1: out to Wesley Theological Seminary here in the District of Columbia.
0: A Tiny Revolution Um, does not endorse (laughs) this. Just kidding. I don't care. um,
1: No, he, but we had a really interesting conversation recently because, like, he's in, like, a long-term relationship. Um, He is also a homosexual. (gasps) um, And, like, is, like, living, laughing, loving his, like, truest coupled life. Um, but is also, like, it is a scary thing because the more, he's, like, obviously been, like, confronted with a lot of, like, really deep questions and, like, big moments in Divinity School and the way they talk about a lot of things and the way they talk about, like, relationship and marriage and, like, a ton of really interesting stuff. But he was, he was talking about, like, some study that was done that was basically, like, people change who they are in, like, major ways pretty much, like, every 10 years. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing that with another person, like, you will likely, if you get married and your marriage lasts for your entire life, the person who you end up with will not be the person you started with. Mm-hmm. But, like, a lot of what we have expected of other people is, like, this comfort and, like, this stasis, like, the person you are is the person that you're going to yeah. be. Um. And so, like, doing that with another person can be really difficult. And I think, like, not being open to that, the idea that, like, someone could be vastly different is what gets people into a lot of trouble mm-hmm. in relationships, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, because, like, I think about who I was like just two and a half years ago vastly different right now, or even, like, six months ago, for that matter. Yeah. Because life comes at you fast, and I think maybe even, uh, like, po- like as, a, as we're in the middle of, like, our Trump presidency, like, so much, I have become... If I thought I was radicalized before, like, I have the Molotov cocktail in my hand now. Like, I'm yeah. really ready to go burn this shit down. And, you know, my my asks of people are much heavier because i think that we live in times that are more consequential but all I to say it's this that exact fear is what like kind of like keeps marriage at arm's length like the idea of marriage at arm's length for me because like i wonder like like what if i'm different what if what if they're different and what if like those differences can't uh coalesce what if those differences um you know lead us down different paths and that, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just something to be honest about.
1: Yeah, I think that, like, that is, like, it's such a huge thing to, like, grapple with and to understand. And I also, like, don't know if I have the emotional maturity to, like, be in a long-term relationship right now either. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be someone finding me. It has to be me being, like, am I ready to do this? Or am I also like fine with just like kissing cute boys and like hanging out and going on fun dates and like seeing what happens for a little bit and then like we'll get there, you know?
0: Yeah. Cause like, I do think eventually I'd like to be married. I have dreamed about that since I was a little girl. Same. You know what I mean? Like I've already picked out the dress. Yeah. I already have four Pinterest boards for the different seasons you know
1: Uh I'm like I have like the engagement party I have the bachelorette party I have the reception I have like the bridal shower Mm -hmm. like I've got it all I've got my bridesmaids like I'm ready to go
0: yeah where is my mighty Boaz you know and at the same time like I'm trying I want to try not to rush it I'm trying to I'm trying to eat pray love my life right now
1: yeah we're all Julia Roberts
0: Mm. we're all Elizabeth Gilbert Mm mm-hmm man julia roberts wow you're really pushing that i see like i here's the i've actually never seen eat pray love i've read eat pray love and so
1: okay well you have to do both because i loved the book obviously and then
0: i loved the movie
1: obviously Mm
0: -hmm. do you have any other favorite movies
1: every julia roberts movie ever made my best friend's wedding is my favorite movie um, Aaron Brockovich like speaks to my soul, obviously pretty woman, Mystic Pizza, because I visited it when I lived in Connecticut. Amazing. I am Julie Roberts as Tinkerbell in Hook, which is like an incredible movie, and like made even more so incredible by the fact that you don't even realize it's Steven Spielberg because like what a ridiculous movie for Steven Spielberg to make. <laughs> um but yeah, all Julie Roberts characters in all movies.
0: Wow. a oh, blessed time.
1: Even the bad ones.
0: Eat- <laughs> Um, I've really enjoyed our time our conversation our it felt I like hanging out with you we should try... let's try and plan more FaceTimes in the future um, I'm actually trying to make it out to DC sometime in the next six months so I will let you know oh my god please let me know that was my conversation with my buddy, friend, Garrett Schlichte. You can connect with Garrett all across social media at G Schlichte, which is spelled G and then uh, last name, S-C-H, I have looked look closer, S-C-H-L-I-C-H-T-E, Garrett Schlichte. I follow him on my Twitter so you can go find him there. I'll be tagging him all day. And then also connect with with him on his website, GarrettSchluchte.com. I'm not going to spell it out again. You can listen back or just go to his Twitter and link through that. Okay, Garrett, thank you for being on the show, BB. It was so much fun. You had me in Stee Cheese. Okay, that's all for that. Wrapping things up, credits as per usual. this podcast is supported by um, so many amazing, wonderful people. 102 people, exactly. Then that's the number of supporters I have on Patreon. And what Patreon is, if you live under a stupid rock... Um, Not that you're stupid, but the rock you live under is stupid. Um, Patreon is a great way for people like you to support the creatives in your life who are creating things that matter. Something you should know if you didn't already know, I'm an independent creative, which means while I may have support from certain sponsors from time to time, I mainly am able to do what I do because I have supporters like you, my friends. Um, So if you want to go over to Patreon.com slash TheKevinGarcia and learn more about what being a sustaining partner looks like, as well as the awesome perks associated with being a partner, um, you can, you know, become a part of the revolution. And that's what we're all here to do, right? And not to mention, it's Pride Month, so if you want to get away from the commodification of Pride, the capitalism that is taking over all of our Pride festivals, why not subvert that by donating a little bit to creatives or LGBTQ nonprofits that you enjoy or support? So if you go over to patreon.com slash Garcia, you can make that pledge today. It can be as simple as $1 or $2 a month. You know you want to, you know you've been meaning to, and I promise you, you're going to feel better for it. So I'm done talking about that. Go to patreon.com slash Garcia, sign up today, blah blah blah, that's dope. Thank you so much for listening, thank you to my Patreon supporters, be on the lookout for my new ebook, which is gonna come out sometime this month. Yes, it's late, because I'm late with everything, so, um, you know, it'll be right in line with my brand of being um, completely not on time um on top of that you can also subscribe to me on the blog which is the kevingarcia.com subscribe to this episode thingy called a podcast i called it an episode thingy that's cool drink some water um call your therapist call your squad go out tonight get feeling all right you let it just all hang out you know uh, ba, ba, da, ba, da, ba. let's go girls I'm, I feel like a woman. All right. Take a nap. Do some yoga. And I'll talk to you next week, honey. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. I'm Kevin Garcia. You are so beautiful. Let's talk soon, okay? Bye.